Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 11 because Colby Covington is taking on Tyron Woodley and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. The grudge match, the former champion, Tyron Woodley taking on the former interim champion, Colby Chaos Covington. And uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a very intense match. Yeah, man. I mean, both guys coming off losses to the champ. Uh, you know, Colby had one of the best fights, if not the best fight of that year with Kamaru Usman, a great back and forth fight that uh, happened to get stopped in the fifth round. And then Woodley, I mean, he's desperate, man. He, these last two fights, I mean, let's just be honest here. He's 0 for 10 on rounds. I mean, with a, with a couple 10-8s in there. So, you know, uh, he, he, he needs a win bad or he might be having to look a to to go in some other avenues man but uh it's gonna be a great fight Woodley's uh an all-time great at 170 and Covington man you know although he you know some would say he's an idiot and he and he says a lot of dumb shit man me and you both know this the the real version of this guy and we know that's not the case he's a really good guy a good fighter and uh man I, I'm excited to see him you know have his comeback fight and Shaq, I mean, when you talk about going 0-10 for rounds, it's not like he got edged out and the rounds could have gone either way. No, he got beat down pillar to post. He got shut down. He got dominated thoroughly in a way where people are thinking that he might not ever be the same. And this might be what a washed-up fighter looks like because you remember when he was champion and, you know, he defended the belt a bunch of times. He's doing these interviews talking about how he bought eight cars. He bought all the mansions. He's doing the rap albums. He's, you know, doing the TMZ. And then he goes out there, and I don't like to use the term that, you know, someone took someone's soul, but Shaq, uh, Kamara Usman took Tyron Woodley's soul. And if you need any evidence, watch that Gilbert Dorino fight. Because going into the fight, it was like, oh, this is a non-top 10 guy. This is a former lightweight, the whole bit. No way Tyron loses to him. And not only did Tyron lose to him, Shaq, Tyron gets dropped in the first 30 seconds, gets thoroughly dominated. And his head coach, Dean Thomas, said the following words. This is not my words. This is not your words. Dean Thomas said, Tyron Woolley doesn't have that dog in him anymore. He said that, look, one day you're 25 and you want to rip everyone's throat out. The next day you wake up, you're 40 and you just don't want to do this shit anymore. So it's going to take a, a serious effort for Woodley to get this done Saturday night, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, Tyron's always been, you know, I know he was the champ, but like, you know, and, you know, I and y'all have heard me uh, go off on Tyron a few times. I mean, look, there, there's no secret. I, I've had my uh, I mean, I, I haven't been the biggest fan of the guy and this is for a long time. But I mean, let's just not forget. I mean, he's put on some of the more boring title fights. And I mean, I know you remember that Damian Maya fight. I mean, that, that was I mean, I I fell asleep during that fight, man. Le legit. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like, I had to wake, wake Shaq up. <laughs> like I literally passed out. Um, and let's not forget. Uh, was it the first Wonder Boy fight? Um, the second. Yeah, one. you know, the second one. The second one. My bad. But uh, yeah. So like this guy. I mean, look, he's done this, but at at, at the same time, he also. We know uh, he's known for his one-punch KOs. But I mean, there's been a lot. Even when he was champ, I've always, you know, like. The till fight, you know, up until the finish, I mean, it was like eh, not much is really happening, you know. <laughs> like till didn't even did till even land a strike. I mean, like exactly. <laughs> you know, so 
I, I was saying into the Burns fight, I was like, man, there's a chance that this guy's been inflated for a very long time. And, you know, uh, but, you know, we weren't sure because Gilbert, you know, uh, I mean, Damian Maya, the ghost of Damian Maya. But I mean, hey, at least like him, Covington and Usman, I mean, they're out here hurting Damian Maya. Not saying that Willie didn't hurt him, but I mean, like I said, I fell asleep. You know, I, I was like, uh, I was like, wow, all this talking, this is what he does, you know. We were like, Shaq, wake up. We're checking for pulse. You know what I'm saying? But uh, real quick, we got to do some quick housekeeping. So as you can see, I'm in my car doing this shit. Uh, fuck ATT. AT&T, not ATT, the gym. AT&T, the internet provider, because like uh, the slightest bit of rain knocks out my internet. So I'm completely done with them. But we're here to put on a show for the fans. So if for any reason the connection gets you know slow, it's because I'm in a goddamn hotel parking lot doing this for y'all. And uh we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a different format because, you know, we do have some time constraints. So, Shaq, let's go ahead and start with the main card right now. So, we got a matchup in the middleweight division be between Kevin Holland. He's 18-5, and five, and Darren Stewart is 12-5. and five. Currently, they got Kevin Holland minus 265. The comeback on Darren Stewart is plus 225. So, man, I feel like, you know, Kevin Holland's extremely talented. He's got all the physical tools. And I feel like, you know, he might have needed to get humbled a little bit like he did in that Brendan Allen fight because now the performances we're seeing from him. I mean, you and I knew he had all the talent in the world. I mean, back in the regional scene, he knocked out Jeff Neal. And we've seen glimpses here and there. But, you know, it can be hard to get up for a John Phillips fight when you got knockout wins over Jeff Neal. It can be hard to get up for an Alessio DiCarico fight. But, after that Brendan Allen fight, I feel like that woke him up, man. And now he's out there. He ran through Fluffy Hernandez like it was nothing. And in that last fight against Joaquin Buckley, I was very impressed. And I'll tell you why, Shaq, because, you know, we can sit here, call the guy a newcomer and say all these things. But, like, the bottom line is Joaquin Buckley was going out there throwing heavy strikes. He threw, like, 200 strikes to the head. And I think he only landed, like, one or two of them. So that speaks volumes to the kind of defense, the kind of composure, the kind of experience that Kevin Holland has. He knows how to use his reach. He's got a seven-inch reach advantage in the spot. And, look, Darren Stewart, you got to give him a lot of respect. He hits very, very hard for the weight class. He's also experienced. And I got to say that uh, I think he might come out here with, like, a kind of a calf kick game plan. You know, they're probably thinking, hey, let's chop down the tree. You know, this guy's a lot taller. He's got the reach advantage. I think he's going to come out here and try to kick the calves. But I think somewhere along the way, Kevin's going to time something down the pipe, maybe rock him, make him shoot for a bad shot, maybe choke him out. But uh, bottom line, I'm going uh, Kevin Holland to get it done here Saturday night, Shaq. Yeah, you know, Stewart, he's a tough guy. He's grappling. Uh, I feel like Holland's got a big, significant edge in the grappling in this fight. I know he's coming off his first submission win, but that was against a guy who, you know, just makes uh, – big mental lapses in his fights. And to be honest, I'm not saying that uh, Stewart was losing or, or anything, but I I thought Mikey Patolo was looking good out at range, you know, out in space against them for the uh, the first couple minutes. But, uh, you know, he was able to get that submission. Mackey panicked. Uh, never really been too particularly high on Stewart. I, I, I think he's got a good elbow out of the clinch. Always been high on Holland. You know, he definitely let me down against Brennan. But, hey, man, look what Brennan's been doing. Brennan's been uh, – he's been doing his thing. He's fighting uh, Ian Heinish, you know. So, uh, I, I think that, yeah, he probably did get humbled that night. And the, the more improvements I've been seeing in these last two fights, it's just the more more viciousness, more sense of ur urgency, especially in the striking. Because what I didn't like with Kevin is, man, I felt like, you know, let's, for example, that Will Santiago fight. It's like, man, you can't finish this guy? Like, why are you out here running away from this dude, Kevin? Like – you know, you're supposed to be out here and the uh, DiCirico fight as well. 
But now these last two fights, I'm seeing a guy that's standing in the pocket. He's really sitting down on his punches, his knees, his elbows, and and he's uh, starting to get these finishes, you know, on the feet, you know. So, uh, I, yeah, I got Kevin Holland. I just think he's better in every aspect. And as long as as long as he takes everything seriously, you know, <laughs> I believe he'll get the get the job done. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Mackenzie. Legit Brazilian accent, Dern. She's eight and one. And Randa Quiet Storm Marcos is 10 and eight. Currently, they got Mackenzie Dern minus 165. The comeback on Randa Marcos is plus 145. So, th this is an interesting fight for a lot of reasons because I feel like you could be sweating a chalk bet on Mackenzie if, uh, you know, if Randa doesn't shoot on her and Randa kind of keeps this standing and maybe uses some of her boxing. It, it could get interesting. The thing is, man that uh, Mackenzie, even though it doesn't look the prettiest when she strikes, she actually does have some legit power for that weight class. You know what I mean? We've seen her drop girls more than once. And then on the mat, it might only take one submission attempt for the fight to be over shortly after. But I guess my question for you is, do you think Randa Marcos could be a live underdog if she comes out here just trying to throw hands, not trying to get into any grappling exchanges? Yeah, man, this is an interesting fight to me too because, you know, initially I was like, it's probably, a, you know, an easy win for uh, Dern. Um, haven't Marcos? I feel like she's plateaued out, and um, but man, historically speaking, Marcos is due for a win, so like you know, uh, she is the underdog. And then when I really sat down and watched the tape on Mackenzie, man, you know, you know, it's kind of like a, a torn thing because you know, I have heard in the past that you know, she doesn't go to the gym and like how you know, she will be out tanning all day at the beach and shit like that, and you know, that's probably the 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 reasons for a lot of her weight uh, problems just due to not training. Like, legit people have said, like, Mackenzie at the gym, like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, Mackenzie don't show, show up to the gym. But now, you know, I see uh, she actually, uh, on her IG, she was like, this is the most I've ever trained for a fight. You know, she's with Perillo and, and Marlon Vera and, uh, and all those dudes now at, at that gym. So, you know, uh, she's got Perillo, who's, I've always said, one of the best coaches of all time, underrated coaches of all time. And uh, let's see, let's see the improvements, because like you said, she's got the power. She just needs some technique and that's the reason why i was a little hesitant it's like i feel like she's kind of all over the place like you know i feel like she really struggles to put things together you know they both have a split win over ashley yoder but the reason why i kind of favored Dern is just because like i kind of felt like Mar I, I picked marcos to beat yoder but i thought you know at this stage of, of her career and no offense to ashley yoder but I, I just figured like she kind of beat her by more of a margin you know when you look at that stage of her career she had that uh, wins over Angela Hill, finish wins. Uh, you know, she fought some of the best girls out there, Gadelia, Carolina, Carla, you know, wins over Carla, you know, like uh, Tisha Torres, like, you know, she's cape, like she has done a lot, finishes over Felice Herrig, like she has done a lot, but it's just this consistent inconsistency with Marcos. So I'm just like, I don't want nothing to do with her. You know, uh, she's 35 years old and that, that, that fight with Yoder, I just felt like she got bailed out because Ashley Yoder is just, I don't want to say not tough enough, but just, you know, it, you know, I just feel like when, when the, when the going gets tough and it's one to one, you know, Ashley Yoder is going to lose, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think, uh, I think uh, Dern should win this fight. I feel like she's the younger girl by al almost 10 years, uh, if I'm not mistaken, not 10 years, but almost, but then, uh, you know, 
just the fact that uh, I think that she's going to make significant improvements. And I feel like up until this point, Nern's kind of been half-assing shit, man. I feel like she really hasn't been training like that. Like, I've heard, like, this chick doesn't show up. You know, there's only been two people to get kicked out of the MMA lab. It's her and uh, Chris Gritzmacher, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so I think uh, she... Uh, she let's see let's see if she's uh improved this fight I, i'm a guess that she has and i just haven't seen much improvement from randa but at the same time i would not be shocked because you know that hannah cyphers fight although she got that leg lock up until that leg lock scramble i was like oh this is kind of ugly man and uh and you know the rebounds fight she got absolutely dominated from start to finish so uh, and Amanda Bobby Cooper, you know, uh, you know, she ain't. Uh, I saw her husband fight on Contender Series the other day. He didn't do too well either. So, you know, uh, it's I, I got darned, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a, a close fight. Listen, as far as uh, Dern, you know, addressing some weaknesses, she, you know, she's working with Jason Perillo, and you obviously know he's responsible for UFC champions like BJ Penn, like Michael Bisbing, even my boy Marlon Chito Vera wanted to improve his boxing, and that's the guy he hired. So she's with the right people. And like I said, she's always had natural power. Now it's just about the technique. So I think she's going to get that in order. I think we might see some improvements. But again, I agree with you. This fight could be sketchy at times. It's just that somewhere in those 15 minutes, there's going to be some kind of grappling exchange. And when that happens, I think that's when Dern's going to get not, the submission. Not to mention, Ashley Yoder took Randa's back like two or three times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, Courtney Casey submitted her in the first round, so I, I, I can see it happening for sure. But if Marcos comes out with the right game plan, there is a path to victory. It's just, can you trust her to do that? Not convinced. So I'm going with Dern via submission. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a showdown between Johnny Walker, he's 17 and 5, and Ryan Spann is 18 and 5. Currently, they got Johnny Walker minus 125. The comeback on Ryan Spann is plus 105. Well, Shaq, I'm just going to be straight up. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses or bullshit. I'm just going to be straight up. Uh, I was dead wrong about Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is not the guy I thought he was. You know, when I saw those spectacular finishes, I thought, hey, Maybe, maybe this guy could challenge the great John Jones, but turns out, nope, he can't. <laughs> you know, it turns out that when fights get extended, you see the real deal, and it's like, or you see what he really is, and it's like, I know we're about to talk about how Ryan Spann's chinny and stuff like that, and Corey Anderson's chinny too. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't finish the most chinny guy in the entire division. Now, I get it. You know, he was partying. He was bringing girls up to the room. He was kicking his coaches out. He was doing the whole bit. It seems like he's a little bit more focused now. So hopefully he's been getting better too. But I just got so many concerns if this fight gets extended and he can't get Ryan out early. So now I know I'm about to talk about how Ryan's chinny, but officially Johnny Walker has more KO losses than Ryan Spann. But I will say this, in some of Ryan's wins, there were a lot of sketchy moments, like the Alex Nicholson fight. Officially, if you just look at the record, it says first round TKO. You watch that fight. He was on death's doorstep. He almost got knocked out. The last fight against Sam Alvey, I mean, he was the biggest favorite on the card. You're expecting a first-round submission. He almost got that first-round sub. Remember that standing arm triangle. But then he starts to slow down. He almost got knocked out there, too. So pretty sketchy stuff. But I think Ryan is the overall better fighter. It's just, is he going to get caught here with a flying knee, Shaq? Oh, you're making a pick? You're not. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Look. This is an interesting fight. I, I, I got this as a 50-50 a fight. You know, I feel like, man, Span has come a long way. I mean, look, a few years ago, if you would have told me Span would have been in this position that he's in right now, I would have told you that you're, 
you're fucking crazy. I mean, Span, we've been seeing him on Access TV for a very, very long time. And, you know, we've seen him go through his ups and downs, uh, his 185 days. And, you know, his last fight, man, yes, it was not good. We all expected him to run through Alvi. But, man, sometimes in those type of fights, it's kind of hard because it's like you're risking so much. Like, you done knocked out Nogueira. You done finish Devin Clark, you know, you, you, you're you at the height, now you got to take a risky fight against a guy whose back's against the wall, and yeah, it wasn't his best before, I mean, look, during that fight, I was screaming, I was like, Ryan, you, you like, bro, you chill, chill, like, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like, like, you're literally, I mean, how many, like, look, if you type in Sam Alvey's name, I mean, all we're going to see is a bunch of right hook knockouts, you know what I'm saying, and he was literally walking into his right hook, like, you know, it was no threat at all, so, I'm a, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been the first uh, first pay per view. Um, was it on the same night Gaethje and fought Ferguson? Um, yeah. So like, I know it was very short notice, no preparation really. Uh, he was supposed to be fighting Paul Craig uh, before that. You know that fell through. Um, I'm a attributed to just lack of preparation and i'm gonna guess that he probably didn't take alvi seriously at all and i think he won the first two rounds pretty easily but i just feel like he had a lot to lose that night and it's sometimes it's tough when you when you're fighting with a lot to lose now walker on the other hand man yeah you know dead wrong about him 100 you know the fact that he got knocked out against like not like it would have been one thing if he would have got grinded and you know lost a decision you know got taken down but it's like damn bro you got knocked out against Corey, like, <laughs> like on the feet, like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you ever seen uh Corey Anderson uh, finish anything with hands besides uh, Van Buren back in the day, uh, you know, like who else did he knock out? You know, that was, that was very, I, that was the last uh, possible way I would have seen Johnny Walker losing that fight. You know, I was like, damn, bro, you like Corey knock you out. And then the cry law fight, you know, you know, I actually thought he made, uh, well, that was more, I got to see him more in a 15 minute process. So, you know, we got to see more of his game and there were some good moment, moments, man. He, you know, is just that man, his grappling is kind of shaky. You know, uh, when Krylov got on top of him, he kind of didn't have an answer. And we can't forget that Span's a black belt. He's actually very, very underrated in the submission. Uh, I think he's got maybe double digit submission wins. Uh, you know, like he's got a very good ground game. And uh, it's, it's, I, I honestly favor Ryan, man. I, I feel like as long as he doesn't get caught, he's the better overall fighter. Obviously, am I confident that he's not going to get caught? But the reason why I got to lean Ryan, man, I just don't like what I've been seeing from Johnny Walker, hearing from him. I don't like all these camp switches. You know, at first, like, you know, you know, with this uh, Corey Anderson fight where, you know, he's kicking his team out, bringing girls, whatever, to the room. Okay, he got a little too Hollywood. But then you blame your team. You leave your team. Then you go to TriStar. You know, TriStar is supposed to be doing this and that for you. Oh, it's a good move for you. You lose one fight, then you leave there. You know, how about you, you know, be a man and go back to your home team in Brazil, the team that got you to this point, the team that w was getting you those spectacular flying knee uh, knockouts against Misha Serkinov, you know, the people that bought you up and, and instead you go to fucking John like John Kavanaugh like I was like yo this kid is fucking lost like and you still and now you're still rocking the blue mohawk and shit like be the old Johnny Walker like this kid needs to get humbled uh we'll see I I, I think it is somewhat of a slight step down but Span's huge man I feel like he's capable of a lot uh, but like Kavanaugh, no offense to Kavanaugh, I had Conor McGregor, I had some good fight, but other than Conor McGregor,
like what's uh what's my boy Kavanaugh been doing lately, Dan? He's a best-selling author. Bro, me and you both know Kavanaugh, bro, and like we know that like I feel bad for Johnny because like like you know. You know, he's misguided, but, like, you know, if he thinks Kavanaugh gives a shit about him, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm going to go with spin, man. But I actually think it's going to maybe go three rounds. I think they're going to grapple a lot. I think there's going to be some hairy moments in the feet for spin. Because Walker, look, there's no denying the athleticism. And and, and I do think he's more uh, dynamic on the feet. But Span still got power. And Johnny Walker's chin is shaky, man. Like, I just feel like Span has a shaky chin. Like, that's all I feel like. I feel like Span gets a little carried away on the striking sometimes. And, he, and he's prone to take big shots. That's where I feel like Johnny Walker's grappling shaky. His chin shaky. His heart's shaky a little bit right now. He's switching all these camps. So I'm going to go with Span, man. I think uh, he'll come in with a good plan, game plan and, and get the job done and utilize his grappling advantage. Yeah, look, man, uh, th this is a situation where I can't disagree with anything you said. You know what I mean? When you talk about Ryan Span, he's good everywhere the fight goes. He's got a world-class guillotine. He's experienced. He's been there. He's done that. Trains at a good camp in Fortis MMA. So I completely understand taking the underdog shot on Ryan Span, And it's just that it's one of those things where it's like, I saw something in Walker at the beginning and I know I was wrong about him being a future top five guy, but like, I feel like he's got what it takes to knock out Span. Um, now I do not recommend laying the chalk on him because he's let us down more than once. You know what I mean? And he might do it again. I do like what I heard from him on fight week. On one hand, I don't like that he's training with John Kavanaugh, but on the other hand, he seems like he's focused. He's taking it more seriously. So I like that. I think he catches span at some point, but again, not a confident pick just based on the fact that uh, he's not the guy I thought he once was, but I think he's got the talent and the physical tools. So I hope he gets it done. I'm rooting for him. I'm going to pick him, but we'll see. We'll see what happens Saturday night. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a showdown between Hamza Himayev, he's 8-0, and Gerald Mershart is 31-13. and 13. Currently, they got Gerald Mershart, excuse me, currently they got Hamza Himayev minus 390 to come back on Gerald Mershart's plus 320. So, Shaq, uh, it opened minus 500 for Hamza Himayev, and now, you know, a lot of action is becoming on GM3. People are saying GM3 is getting disrespected here. Now, look, I like GM3, you know. Uh, had him on the show before he was even in the UFC. We've been following him a long time. And, you know, he follows me on Twitter. I like the guy. I'm friends with his teammates, the whole bit. And he actually has a reputation for ending hype trains. You remember on the regional scene when he beat Sidney Wheeler. You remember on the uh, in the UFC when Oscar Bihota was the undefeated prospect. And Gerald didn't just derail that hype train. Gerald beat the shit out of him, and the kid's never been the same since. And then also the Duran win fight. You know, a lot of people thought – uh, you know, Duran was this 4-0 guy. He beat Tom Lawler at 205. You know, little DC, all this bullshit. Goes into the UFC, gets the fight of the night with Spicely. A lot of people thought he might have beat Darren Stewart. I didn't, but a lot of people thought he might have beat Darren Stewart. Then, when he fought Gerald Mershart, there was no uh, he beat Gerald Mershart. He got finished. The hype train ended. So, GM3's got a reputation for ending hype trains. The issue I have here, Shaq, is that it's more of a technical thing than it is an experience thing for me because it's like Gerald Mershart doesn't really stuff takedowns. He's so confident in his jujitsu ability that he's going to give up these easy takedowns. And Hamza Himayev doesn't really strike me as a guy that leaves too many openings. You know, he's got that Habib style where he'll take you down. He'll tie your arm behind your back. He'll pound you out. So I actually think he's a rightful favorite here. Now let's talk about 
his two matchups he's had in the UFC. Because I know, yes, they were handpicked opponents. You're right. You know, one and four, John Phillips, Rice McKee went to a draw with Richie Smolin. I get it. But Shaq, it's not like, you know, Hamza Himayev barely got through those guys. It's not like he edged a split. He fucking ran through those guys and handled them accordingly. So that to me shows he deserves the step up in competition. And as much as I respect Mershard, I even think after all these fights, his hands have been getting better. He's got that hard body kick. He's opportunistic on the mat. Just stylistically, this is a tough matchup for him. I think the UFC matchmakers know what they're doing. And I think Hamza Himayev comes out victorious on Saturday night. Yeah, another interesting fight, man, because Chemayev, I mean, we we uh, we kind of have known about, we didn't know know the name, but we know that we were aware that there was a guy that made Sidney Wheeler uh, retire, you know, back in uh, Brave. And uh, turns out it was Chemayev, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I feel like uh, obviously Mershart's way more experienced. And, and man, sometimes these hype trains lately, man, you know, whether it be Macy Barber or uh O'Malley or uh uh Agapova you know like a lot of big favorites uh hype trains have been going down just because you know we've kind of been jumping the gun and we've just been anointing them as the next big thing when they you know in hindsight really haven't done shit and and I feel like this is a another case now I'm not saying GM3 is gonna win this fight but from a betting perspective I, like I, I i still think jemima's gonna smash his face and like don't get me wrong but it's just like from a betting perspective i i kind of have to even though the lines come down like a lot it's just like you know i can't play him at that line i haven't seen enough of his stand-up yet and you know this is at 185 and you know shamayev's in, in red line mode right now i mean i i, I know him and gm3 they got into it uh in the in the hotel earlier this week and uh you know i heard there was a gang of russian men surrounding gm3 in his corner man <laughs> and, uh, and you know gm3 got awfully quiet i heard but you know um but we'll you know we'll see man the kid still has you know hasn't fought anyone on gm3's level uh gm3 like you said gives up takedowns like to plays the sub game but you know you don't want a case where comzak comes out here and you know dumps his entire energy load in the first round trying to smash him get him out of there using too much energy and then for the second round you know has nothing left just because this is at 185 i feel like he's more of a natural 170 -er. uh and, and you know the experience but i i think the kids ground and pound shots are very technical and i feel like if he can get uh mershart down those short sharp ground his ground and pound kind of reminds me of like peter yans khabib you know islam makachev you know that type of style where they just short shots efficient shots uh and you know just just smashing you so you know uh Mershard, he's got the experience, and I still want to see comes at Shinja. Just because, look, Rice McKee, look, I can name a hundred guys that could go out there and do that to Rice McKee, and I and look, Charles Bird did that to did that to John Phillips as well. So you know, uh, John Phillips ain't, ain't known for his only one win is against a some bum from Macedonia. You know what I'm saying? So like, I got a. I got to go with Chemayev. I just think he's younger, fresher. I haven't really been high on GM3 too much. But, you know, would it shock me? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just feel like I can't play him yet. Let, let him, after this fight, you know, let him smash GM3. Then we can talk about uh, Damian Maya. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got the co-main event of the evening. We got Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He's 36 and 15. And Nico, the hybrid price, is 14 and 4. Currently, they got 
Nico Price minus 150, the comeback on Donald Cerrone's plus 130. Uh, I guess there's three words to describe Nico Price. Opportunistic, dangerous, and I mean, listen, th th this is a guy that uh, he can end a fight at any point. I said three words. Those were two words, but you, you guys get the deal. But listen, Nico Price is a scary individual. You know what I mean? It's like he consistently knocks out guys that he's better than, I mean, that are better than him. Like, I think Randy Brown is better than Nico Price. I think Tim Means, you know, technically speaking, is better than Nico Price. I think even Vic has better technical skills than Nico Price. But it doesn't matter sometimes with Nico Price. He can end the fight at any point. Now, I thought Cowboy's last fight was a step in the right direction considering his skid. You know, I thought that he looked good. I thought that he arguably won the fight. You know, I watched it live, and I thought, you know, I, I thought Pettis might have won live. But when I rewatched it the other day, uh i kind of thought that uh i kind of thought that uh cerrone might have might have won that fight man so yeah it was uh it was pretty good but listen nico price extremely dangerous coming off a great fight with vicente luque and if you compare that fight to the first time he fought him i mean day and night difference because the first time he just got blown out the water the second time now there are some myths surrounding this second luque uh luque fight that we got to address shack and that first, uh, you know, that myth is that, you know, people are saying that Nico Price was up or that Nico Price was going to win that fight if it went to decision, which is total bullshit, Shaq. I mean, uh, how can you win rounds when you get dropped or wobbled every single round? So I think that uh, I think that Luke was on his way to actually win a 30-26. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Nico Price had the best volume he's had his entire career and actually looked uh, pretty damn good in that fight. Still took a lot of damage. But anyways, man. What do you think here? You think Cowboy can get back on track? Because historically speaking, he doesn't lose to non-top 15 guys, but he's also at that point in his career where he might. Yeah, you know, so Cowboy, you know, three three L's in a row? Four? Four. Three? Four? Four L's in a row. Definitely think father time has caught up to him. But, hey, this is, I guess, uh, in terms of uh caliber fighter you know price has never touched a belt uh you know never been in the rankings i don't believe so you know uh you know but like you said man we know price is a gamer price is a brawler price you know has uh, this weird way of uh you know pulling off these these crazy fucking things man <laughs> you know he's just a gamer so i actually think cerrone's better than price like straight up everywhere <laughs> like uh like more technical better wrestling better jujitsu um <laughs> it's just man donald man i i love the guy but you know firstly i actually thought he straight up lost the pettis after live i thought we I, I had i had a chance i bet on cerrone but uh when i rewatched it i definitely felt like uh Pettis got the better of uh, the uh, boxing exchanges, and I didn't like what I was seeing offensively in the in the in the boxing. The kicks he landed a good eye kick, but the boxing man he was kind of overextending, and he'd get caught. And I feel like man nowadays, like you know, I know he used to get hurt a lot back in the day, but like now when he gets hit, man, he swells up very easily. You know, I you know eyes get shut, and you know noses bleed very easily these days at his age, and um and I. And I just feel like the reason why it might be viewed as a step in the right direction is because on the opposite opposite side, you got Love Handles Anthony Pettis on there, you know. So, like, that's it was two, you know, washed up versions of themselves. They had It was a great fight. Two washed up versions of themselves. Uh, and, you know, the two old men, they had a, a, a good knock, man. And and uh, and I feel like, man, if he's losing a 
and no offense to Pettis, Legend, other sport, Pettis. No, and look, when I say these things, uh, I'm I'm joking half the time. But like, you know, I, I truly believe that Anthony Pettis is neither top 15 at lightweight or 170. So, you know, uh, I think that uh, Donald Cerrone's best days are behind him. But at the on the flip side with Price, man, I've always felt like Nico's honestly. Uh, not that good, but in this last fight with Vicente, I actually thought like his his uh, feints got a little better, his in the pocket boxing got a little better, um, and I feel like uh, man, Cerrone's always struggled with like when guys bum rush him with that power, and I feel like man, Nico's power is probably gonna be a little bit too much for him. But Nico does worry me with the damage that he's been taking. I mean, he takes a lot, a lot of damage, man, and at some point. You know, and I have seen it kind of affect him because in some of these fights, like, look, the Vic fight, I know we, we know uh, what happened. Uh, he ended up knocking him out. But, you know, before that, man, it was really it was really sloppy and ugly and slow. And, you know, uh, you know, but I think he made some improvements. But even in the uh, do you remember that George Sullivan fight back in the day? I mean, you know, he's had his moments where it's like, Nico, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, this is ugly, man. So I feel like Cerrone could have some success if he's able to just avoid, you know, you know, fading when he gets hit because, you know, when Nico charges forward with that uh, rush, like how he did Jeff Neal and, and these other guys, man, that I have a hard time believing that Cerrone's going to be able to withstand something like that. But, you know, uh, it's a good fight. I got to go with Price. I just feel like he's hungry. Uh, not saying that Cerrone's uh, not hungry, but man, you know, four L's at this age, um, and the Pettis fight, man, I wouldn't consider that a step in the right direction, man. I feel like he took more damage, uh, again, against a, a lesser motivated guy coming off the couch. I mean, what I, from what I was hearing going into that fight, Pettis wasn't even really training. So, you know, uh, I, I got to go with Nico Price. And I'll say, by, uh, I'll say by tough decision, you know, I feel like Nico's good. But, you know, he is, uh, what, top 25, you know, 30 welterweight, you know. So, you know, I guess Cerrone... You know, on paper, this might be a good fight for him, but we'll see. Listen, man, I mean, I can sit here and agree with you. Uh, I, I think you made some very valid points. If you want to make the case for Nico Price, Shaq just made it. But I'm going to make the case for Cerrone. You know, listen, Nico Price is a guy that I like to take at dog odds. He's not a guy I like to bet chalk on because he's known for kind of his comeback finishes. And, look, he, he I mean, don't get me wrong. He knocked out, you know, Juban in the first round. And, by the way, speaking of Juban, Wait till you wait till y'all hear who he's fighting next. Uh, very exciting news coming soon. But back to Nico Price. Uh, he's so opportunistic. He can end a fight at any point. But I do feel like Cerrone is the better overall fighter, and the better overall fighter is the underdog here. Now, again, he's at that point in his career where it might not even matter that he's the better overall fighter. You know, it might just take one shot on the chin. He might go down. I completely understand. It's just you know this is not to discredit Nico because he's great, but this is a step down in competition compared to Gaethje, to Ferguson, to these guys that uh, that he's been fighting. So I do feel like I saw some things I liked in that last fight. I agree with you. He did take some shots I didn't like, but I like the takedowns he showed. I like that high kick in the third round, and I feel like actually Nico took more damage versus Luke, and I feel like Nico could have taken more time off. So. Again, Nico's the guy I like to back at dog odds, not at slight chalk. So I kind of I'm gonna make the case for Cerrone here. I say he drops him with a high kick and chokes him out in the second round. So I'm gonna go with Donald Cerrone to get this upset. 
Main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we got Colby Chaos Covington. He's 15-2. and two, And Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley, is 19-5. and five. Now, Shaq, is it the chosen one or is it the frozen one? You know what I mean, man? I think it's the frozen one now. But uh, currently, they got Colby Covington minus 345. The comeback on Tyron Woodley is plus 285. Listen, one thing that T. Woods got going for him is that – you know, the overhand right's always been a good weapon against the southpaw, but I got to say that it looked a lot slower in that Gilbert Torino fight. You think that he can, you know, turn back the clock and get another knockout here, or is he about to get drained and broken? Yeah, you know, look, I've been, uh, I've always been a fan of the Covington fighting style since he, since he got in, man, to be honest, like I remember when this dude was fighting Mike Pyle, uh, I think he was like, what, 6 and 0, 5 and 0 at the time, or some shit like that. And he was able to get the win there uh, against a very experienced guy. And he ended up making it to the Dos Anjos fight, winning the interim belt. Had a good fight with the dominated Robbie Lawler, you know, and then uh, Kamara Usman, great fight. So, yeah, Woodley, man, I just, as far as how they match up, you know, yeah, Woodley's. Uh, bigger he's got the right hand he's more powerful but man that's it that's all he's got is the right hand <laughs> like all that's it like all he's gotta all he, all Covington's gotta do is avoid that you know far in between right hand you know uh and even if Tyron Willie was trying to you know switch it up and and, and wrestle or even if he was trying to trying to uh, throw more volume, he, his body frame, that muscular frame, you know, it just, it, it ain't going to work out. I think he's doomed, man. I really do. Like, I think this guy's been, you know, in hindsight on his way out for a very long time, even before the till fight, the Damien, ever since he came back from that surgery, that Damien Maya fight was complete shit. The till fight in the first round was complete shit. Look, till didn't want to fight. Like till didn't want to be there. You know, he's cutting too much weight and, He's coming off a – he shouldn't even got a fucking title shot. He missed weight against Wonderboy. The fight was questionable in itself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Till wasn't ready. And then we go into the the Kamaru Usman's, the young, hungry contenders, and Gilbert Burns, you know, who was coming off a, a win over Kunchenko, uh, Alexei Kunchenko, and uh, and Damian Maya. You know what I'm saying? And Gunnar Nelson. Nelson, like that was the competition my boy Gilbert was fighting, and they come out and they come out here and wipe you out like 50 44 is back to back, bro. Like, you know, I feel like Willie's completely done. And this is a this is a streaming from his his overinflated ego of himself, man. Like, you know, when he was champ, he had this, you know, he's walking around like he's the the big fucking man on the block and all this shit, like fucking buying seven cars and you know, I not to mention the other other shit that we mean you know about you know what i'm saying like again you know this guy literally lost it to a point and i don't think a lot of people realize it man and uh and then you know even so going into the gilbert burns fight just look at his interviews i just went back and looked at him and, it, and it's i'm not gonna say it's as bad now uh, going into this covington fight but you know he's saying like what type of championship level you know one of the greats of all, uh, 170 say shit like, well, if, uh, if, uh, if I beat, if I beat Gilbert Burns, it doesn't mean nothing, bro. The way you just got your ass whipped against Kamaru Usman, 50, 44, honestly, it could have been 50, 43. If we're being honest, like the way you just got your ass whipped, bro, you need to shut the fuck up and just get a win. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and then he's saying shit like, uh, you know, 
if uh if Gilbert Burns beats me, uh you know, no one knows who he is, you know, like shit like that, or it doesn't matter, man. And he's saying, you know, Leon Edwards, you know, he's only got three thousand followers, which you know might be true, but like who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like it's a joke to me. I feel like he's thinking uh, a lot. And I remember the days where he was saying Colby Covington couldn't even, uh, you know, hold his jockstrap and shit like that. Well, I feel like Tyron Woodley's about to go through the three worst fights of his nightmare. Kamaru Usman already happened. Gilbert Burns already happened. And he got 50-44 bad in those fights. And now he's fighting uh, his old nemesis Covington. And uh, Covington, I'm going to go ahead and say, as long as Covington does not go down, he will win this fight, guarantee. You know what I'm saying? He works way too much. He has way more of a, of a drive in that cage. And look, at even if it, win or lose, he, he's just got more consistent performances, man, even in his losses, like, against Usman. But in his wins, man, he puts on a work rate where Damian Maia can't even stand up. Rafael Dos Anjos, you know, his ears bleeding two minutes in. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got way more consistent performances. When he's in there, he wants some more. And this new camp change, man, I actually think it's going to be a good thing for him because, you know, like these past few years, man, he's kind of had to always have his eye over his back in the gym. I mean, I've, I've heard stories where Amari Akhmedov and the Russians are literally like, you know, cornering this dude in the back and shit. Like, you know, who wants to train in environments like that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, you know? So, I mean, look, he asked for it himself, but uh, so I don't feel bad for him. But like, you know, now that he's at this new gym and from what I see, man, these dudes are really happy that he's there. You know, the MMA Masters uh, Instagram account, man, they're posting about Covington all day. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I feel like uh, he's got, I mean, those coaches, uh, I mean, they've got, they gave Ricardo Lamas a very good career. You know, they gave uh, Miguel Baez is fighting on the undercard. You know, he's undefeated, knocked out Matt Brown at 8-0. Uh, the Chavez kid, he just won his UFC debut. So, you know, I feel like that's a good gym for him. I bet you he's getting a lot more individualized. And I feel like now he can really work on that stand-up because I feel like he's got underrated stand-up. Daniel, I've always said that he's got underrated stand-up. And, you know, yeah, he hasn't knocked shit out. I agree. But, man, I've always felt like there's been something off in the stand-up with his footing. And I feel like, man, if he can – and I don't really think he's been working. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, his initial striking coach was uh, George's striking coach, Paulino, uh, George Masvidal. And, you know, I feel like, man, they really never, like, you know I – mean, I'm sure they taught him some stuff, but I always feel like Covington – it was kind of like they really didn't need to teach him like too, too much, you know, because it's pretty much go grab the single buddy and uh, and, and we're going to be good. But now I feel like, man, he might actually learn some real stand up and start sitting down on some punches. And with Willie's back on the fence, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he set a, a significant strike a record on Tyrant on Saturday night, man. So I'm going to go with uh, Colby Covington by absolute domination. feel like Willie's best days are behind him. I feel like as long as Covington doesn't go down, this is his fight. And uh, and I feel like he's got a very good chin, underrated defense, underrated boxing. You know, Woodley's saying all this shit where, you know, he's a cardio kickboxer, which is which is cute and funny and all. But, like, bro, you go ahead and underestimate his power, Woodley, you know, uh, and, and get hit and see what happens with the way you've been looking. So I wouldn't be shocked if Covington stopped him. So I'm going to go with Covington. I'm going to just say bye ass with him. If Colby Covington is a cardio kickboxer, what does that make Tyron Woodley? You know what I mean? Like Tyron Woodley's scared to throw a punch these days. So, you know, I, I heard that he averaged, you know, 0.5 strikes per minute. 
his last two fights combined. So, and listen, the bottom line here, Shaq, is that Tyron Woodley's fighting for the wrong reasons. Like, like, like we already talked about at the beginning of the show. When he was champ, he didn't invest his money. You know, he thought he was going to retire champ. He's out here buying seven cars, the mansions. He, he was doing the whole bit. He got caught up in the lifestyle. And now that he blew all his money and, you know, the other stuff that you alluded to, now, now he's fighting for a paycheck, and you already know the deal, Shaq. Once you start fighting for that paycheck and you're not fighting to be champ anymore, that's when shit goes downhill because you know for a fact that Colby Covington has unfinished business with the current champ. I mean, a lot of people have made the argument that Colby might have actually been up 3-1 to one against the current champ, uh, Kamaru Uzma, going into the fifth, and he even wobbled the current champ, Kamaru Uzma. But now, like you said, he's training with MMA masters. You know they're known for their calf kick. They're known for their world-class jiu-jitsu. They got a lot of black belts coming out that gym, so – that shows me that, you know, Colby's, you know, he's broadening his horizons. He's expanding. He's adding new elements to his game. So I'm excited to see what this new Colby Covington looks like. And I think that Tyron Woodley only has a puncher's chance, maybe a guillotine chance. He, he does have a nice guillotine, maybe that. And Colby has been caught in one of those before, but it's just not the same Tyron Woodley. And like we already said at the beginning of the show, man, his head coach said he doesn't have the dog in him anymore. That's not me or Shaq saying it. That's Dean Thomas. Like, not just his head coach, one of his best friends. So it's like when people that are that close to you are saying that, I mean, what, what should, should I be like, no, Dean, that, that's not true. He does have that dog in him. It's like, no, he doesn't. You know, you know, you know it's bad when, like, you know, some of T Wood's, like, teammates and friends are like, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm cheering for T Wood. <laughs> But uh, Covington's probably going to whip his ass. <laughs> like, look, after the Usman fight, you know, since it was the first time we saw that, even though it wasn't the first time, because if you go back to the Rory McDonald fight, but we thought he recovered from the Rory McDonald fight, you know, won the belt, defended it a bunch of times. But after the Usman fight, you know, some of his teammates made excuses for him. Oh, he just had an off night, but there's no way he loses to Gilbert Burns. Like, but then after the Burns fight, they're like, oh, so... He really is washed up. And then, you know, if you see someone talking shit about him online, they'll be like, oh, don't do my guy like that. You know, that's that's the kind of responses they have. It's not going to be responses like, what are you talking about? Wildy's going to win. It's just, oh, yeah, leave, my, leave my guy alone. That means they know it's true, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, listen, as long as Colby doesn't get caught with a guillotine or an overhand right, uh, he's not just going to win this fight. He's going to put up a significant strike record, take him in DraftKings, do the whole bit. I'm very excited to see what Colby Covington does in this fight. And, um, yeah, like I said, T. Wood's fighting for the wrong reasons. And just like a little piece of advice for everybody watching, uh, my dad always used to say growing up that you are not a millionaire unless you have a million bucks. And what I mean by that, Shaq, is that you can touch a million bucks once, but if you blow it all, you're not a millionaire. So T. Wood was living a life he couldn't afford to live. And not to get into all that shit, but he's fighting for the wrong reasons. He's fighting for a paycheck. He's not fighting for the and love of the game. Not to mention the the other shit we're talking about. You know, that's that's uh, financially costing as well, you know. And mentally and emotionally draining too. So, listen, I, I think T. Wood's a nice guy, but the fight game I mean, is man, man, me and you know, both know he's not a nice guy. You, you've seen him in the hotel, man. I don't know. On front, I mean, look, the guy—he's a cocky son of a bitch, and you know he does—he doesn't—he doesn't care about his fan. I'm just kidding, but, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, he, I mean, look, there was all, every other fighter, uh, even ruthless Robbie Lawler and Eddie Alvarez were out there, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands, man. Yeah, listen, he's not fighting for the love of the game anymore, and that's the bottom line, and that's why I think he's going to lose Saturday night. 
Now, Shaq, uh, let's talk about some of these prelims, man, because uh, it just got announced that Mirsad Bektic is actually taking on Damon Deleach Jackson. This is Damon Deleach Jackson's return to the UFC. So Mirsad Bektic, he's 13-3. and Damon Jackson is 17-3. and uh, They don't have odds, but I expect Mirsad Bektic to be a big favorite here. And this is, uh, like I said, Damon Jackson's se uh, second stint in the UFC. You know, the first time didn't go his way, got choked out by uh, – by Honey Jason, by Yancey Medeiros, had that close fight with Levon Mahishvili. But I, I felt like he went back to the regional scene, actually got some wins. But, man, he took a really brutal loss in PFL to that Russian. Uh, let, me, let me check if that's the last fight he had. Okay, so actually he bounced back after the loss. So that's good to see. He got a first-round finish after that brutal, devastating loss. So at least he's back on track. But Mirsad Bektic, he's a very talented kid. He's got great grappling. He's extremely strong. It's just that... I question the mentality at times and the chin for sure. I mean, Chaskelly knocked him out. Uh, don't look at the record. Watch the fight. And Darren Elkins knocked him out. And you know he's very chinny. You know it's very questionable. Josh Emmett <laughs> knocked him out with a jab. So I don't know, man. I feel like this is actually a tougher fight than Garagori, and I'll tell you why. Because Garagori, you know, he comes from that Latin regional scene where – you already know the deal with with that scene. Like, um, you better move to the USA if you if you're coming from that scene. But at least like Damon Jackson is a black belt, trains out of Fortis MMA. It's got the UFC experience, the whole bit. But I still think it's a tough matchup. I'll go with Mirsad Bektik by decision. Well, see, I actually think it's the other way. I I was actually thinking Gary Gory was somewhat live because I think Mirsad's a, a USADA victim. I think he's a you know, I think his chin is in deep, deep question. And I feel like he's, bro, I feel like he's lost a lot of size, like, especially these last two fights, man. I don't know, man. I feel like he's looking real slim, you know, not that same jacked guy uh, that was out here, you know, wrestling dudes, tossing them on their heads. I feel like Garagori could have possibly touched his chin. Or I was just worried, obviously, about Garagori's shit grappling game. But, you know, uh, I feel like, yeah, Damian Jackson, tough guy, but Mursad should, uh, should 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 finish him pretty uh pretty quickly. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Miguel Baeza, he's nine and zero, and Jeremiah Wells is eight and two. Currently, they got Miguel Baeza minus three hundred. The comeback on Jeremiah Wells is plus two fifty. Yeah, we know exactly who Jeremiah Wells is because he turned down a fight with our boy uh, Jared Nitran Gooden on the regional scene for uh, for very good reason. But hey, he got his UFC opportunity. Look, the kid's a strong wrestler. He's explosive. He trains with Sean Brady. But, I mean, when you talk about Miguel Baeza, devastating calf kicks. Comes out of that MMA Masters gym, you know, that's responsible for Ricardo Lamas. And now, uh, you know, Nico Price and Colby Covington have been training there. And Baeza is also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He is a very bright prospect. You know, for someone that's had – how many pro fights has Baeza had? Less than 10 pro fights. He's 9-0. and no. For someone with less than 10 pro fights, uh, this is a kid to watch out for. He's athletic. He's well-rounded. He's got the heart. Uh, he's got the will, the power. I like Miguel Baeza, and I don't just think he wins this fight, Shaq. I think he knocks out Jeremiah Wells. I think he stuffs his takedowns. I think he makes him pay, and I think he finishes the fight Saturday night, Shaq. Yeah, I, I love Miguel Baeza, man. I, I said he would knock out Matt Brown, and, and, he, and he faced adversity, and he came back. You know, he got clipped very, very hard against, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Brown might be first place or second place for most uh, – <coughs> For most KOs uh, uh, in UFC history. So, you know, uh, and to do that at 8-0 was very, very impressive. The calf kicks, he's a black belt on the mat as well. You know, uh, Miguel Baez is the complete passage. I'm going to actually go ahead and say he stops Jeremiah Wells so bad 
that his teammate gets mad and now he's going to be fighting Sean Brady in his next fight. And that's the fight I want to see, Miguel Baeza versus Sean Brady, two undefeated guys, one from Florida, one from Philly. I feel like that's the next fight after uh, he, he smokes Brady's teammate, Jeremiah Wells. He's, he's all right, you know, nothing special. Uh, yeah, I know he had a vicious KO, but that dude, uh, uh, very, uh, I think it went viral, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, you know, that guy was a complete bum that he's fought. And, you know, one thing about Jeremiah Wells and Brady in their camp, I and mean, I'm a fan of Brady's, but they fight good hand-picked opponents on, on uh, you know, on their local scene, you know. So uh, I feel like he's kind of been a byproduct of that. Uh, so I feel like this is going to be his first real test, and, and he's going he's gonna to get hurt. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Myra Bueno Silva. She's 6-1, and one, and Mara Romero Barella is 12-8. and eight. Currently, they got... Myra Bueno Silva minus 255. The comeback on Mara Romero Barella is plus 215. Uh, Shaq, I got to tell you this, man. So I bet on Marina Moroz to beat Myra Bueno Silva that last fight. And when I tell you that, I had to sweat every single second of that fight. I'm telling you the truth, man, because Myra Bueno Silva hits so hard. Listen, the reason I took Marina Moroz was just, you know, the experience mixed in with the fact that it was actually the first event when the pandemic started. You remember Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee. So it was the first uh, time that there was no crowd there. And I was thinking that if there was a crowd there, every time uh, Myra Bueno lands something, you know, the Brazilians are going to, you know, persuade the judges. They're going to go crazy, even if she's throwing out air. But with no crowd there, you can hear the tennis sounds, the ha-ha that uh, Marina Moroz does. And that's going to sway the judges. So that's why I took her there. And, dude, I had to sweat that. I am impressed with Myra Bueno Silva. I mean, look, got the ninja choke on Contender Series, goes out there in her UFC debut, submits a submission specialist in Jillian Robertson, which one doesn't simply do. And then the last fight, like, you know, for her first L, no one's exempt from that first L, and I thought she performed admirably, you know, was down the first two rounds, goes back there in that third round, almost gets a knockout, which you rarely see. And when Mara Romero Barella, not only does she not belong in the UFC shack, but she's been knocked out five times, which is very rare in women's MMA. The only reason she got signed to the UFC shack is because she beat Milana Dudieva by split decision for the Invicta title. A lot of people even thought Milana Dudieva might've beat her. You remember Milana Dudieva, UFC reject, but Oh, she's a, she's an Invicta champion. Let's sign her. That's the only reason she got signed. You see, she doesn't belong. And her only real win, look, she beat Kalindra Faria, who went 0-3. But if you look at that Tyler Santos fight and you're like, oh, well, she beat Tyler Santos. Guys, she didn't beat Tyler Santos. Tyler Santos beat herself. I mean, it wasn't like Morella Barella did something really impressive there. It was more so you hear the interview with Tyler Santos after the fact. She's talking about her heart's beating out of her chest. She's got the weight of of the world on her shoulders. You know, she's in Brazil for a UFC debut. She was so damn nervous that she could not think she could not perform. She didn't even throw. And it was still a split decision, Shaq. So again, it wasn't about what Barella did right. It was, a, it was about what Tyler Santos did wrong. But as you know, the next three fights, the truth came out. I mean, look, when Montana De La Rosa puts a striking clinic on you, not a grappling clinic, Shaq, a striking clinic on you. I mean, what else do I have to say? Courtney Casey finished her in the first round. Lauren Murphy knocked her out. I think Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the UFC Apex, I think Myra Bueno Silva is going to knock out Mara Romero Barella. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm going to say she's going to knock out Barella unconscious. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, like you said, with the Santos fight, not only was Tyler said it was the first fight her mom ever went to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like... Uh, she was very nervous, and, you know, one year later, she she looked good against Molly McCann. Uh, so I, I feel like, like you said, Santos beat herself. 
sometimes those things happen. Mary Barella didn't really do shit. Like uh, Silas Santos back, backed up on the fence, you know, and just stood there. You know, it wasn't like Barella, like, you know. Uh, I mean, look, Barella, she gets a takedown every fight, so I'll give her that. I mean, I'm sure she'll, I'm, look, I'll say right now, she will probably take down uh, uh, Bueno Silva, but so what? You know, Bueno Silva's shown she's got a game off her back with the arm bars. And look, Marina Moroz has been looking the best she ever had. Marina Moroz beat Mazo, you know, like, fuck, like, fuck Mazo up pretty bad. Uh, and she beat, uh, so look, I think Moroz is tre uh, trending in the right direction since she moved up to 125. And, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, Mary Barella, Mary, uh, Myra Bueno Silva just has a lot more firepower, calf kicks, the submission game, uh, wants it more coming off that loss. You know, I feel like she's going to stop Mary. Mary Barella has no confidence. She has no chin. You know, she has no commitment. Like you said, when Montana De La Rosa's out here dropping you, like that, that's a, that's a little uh, alarming, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think uh, this is going to be a, a vicious stoppage. And Courtney Casey, you know, you get the takedown and then you just you, you quit right off the bat. So, you know, I feel like uh, Mary Barella is a joke. She doesn't belong here. And Myra Bueno is going to get 50 Gs on Saturday. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan Espinoza. He's 15-7, and seven, and David Dvorak is 18-3. and three. Currently, they got... A dead pick'em, minus 110 apiece. So I'm going to say this, Shaq. I think Jordan Espinoza is arguably the fastest guy in the flyweight division. And I think David Dvorak is a pretty damn smart guy. You know what I mean? Like, this is a guy in uh, in David Dvorak. He's actually a former chess champion. He's got an 18-3 and record in MMA. So I think he's got good fight IQ. I think he's very smart. I think he's opportunistic. It's just that he's kind of outgunned in the speed department. And we've always thought Jordan Espinoza had all this talent. It was just a matter of putting it together. You know, I think he kind of took some of the wrong fights, you know, uh, got caught in a couple opportunistic submissions against Alex Perez and Matt Schnell. It was what it was. But that last fight against De La Rosa. Now, we can say what we want about De La Rosa, but like, to outstrike him by the margin that he did. Like, that's what I've been wanting to see from Jordan Espinosa this entire time. And if he can just build off that momentum and come out here, I mean, look, he's faster than David Dvorak. I think he's actually better everywhere. It's just you need to be focused for all 15 minutes here. And if he is and he has no lapses, I think he's going to win the decision, Shaq. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Dvorak can't really say like, I don't know how to feel about him because I feel like he's, like you said, just a smart guy. He seems like he's very efficient. Seems like he maybe, I guess, if in comparison to Espinosa, maybe might not make as much mistakes. But at the same time, like, there's really nothing. Like, he doesn't really have much power. You know, speed is all for Espinosa experience. Uh you know, all that good stuff. Going, I feel like that's leaning in Espinosa. Only concern, concern with Espinosa is does he have a ground game? Because, you know, the, the two fights that he lost, I mean, when he got down on his back, either, I mean, not on uh, for Perez at least, but Perez is about to in a number one contender match. And Schnell, if I'm not mistaken, is a top 10 guy as well. So, uh, you know, definitely can't put Dvorak. But Dvorak's a big flyweight, man. I just don't see like. I just think he's average, you know. I feel like he's average or slightly above average at best. Is where I feel like Espinosa could be something if he just, you know, continues to. You know, I know he went to Krause's gym after that uh, Perez fight. Uh, you know, Kevin Kroom, the dude that just uh, 
beat uh, Roosevelt this past week and was actually cornering uh, Espinosa for that fight. They seem to hit it off pretty good. I think he's going to corner him as well for this one. So, you know, uh, I think uh, I feel like, yeah, Espin it, it, I feel like Espinosa should be slightly more of a favorite. But at the same time, you know, uh, David Dvorak, you know, that fight with Bruno Silva, who I, I actually don't be, be, think he belongs in the UFC because, you know, a, a lot of people don't know is my boy Bruno went to split decision with a guy with uh, one leg, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I think that uh, I, I got a Jordan Espinosa, more powerful, faster, uh, just more dynamic. Uh, but I'm interested to see what happens if Dvorak gets on top of him. I know he has finished a lot of fights in the past, um, but I'm going to go Espinosa. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Sarah Alpar. She's 9-4, and four, and Jessica Rose Clark is 9-6. and six. Currently, they got Jessica Rose Clark minus 230, Shaq. The comeback on Sarah Alpar is plus 190. Listen, I don't know how this fight's going to go down, but I just got to say this. You cannot lay minus 230 on Jessica Rose Clark. Look, I like her personality. I think she's cute. I like her fighting style. She came through versus Paige Van Zant, but it's like she's a 50-50 fighter. She's a journey woman. And uh, you cannot lay chalk on her. This is a dogger pass situation. I will slightly edge Rose Clark to win the decision, but like you cannot lay it at the betting window is all I got to say. Yeah, man. Look, Rose Clark, I heard she went to see a therapist. So maybe, maybe some of those things. I feel like Rose Clark is one of the one of the fighters where her game, everything is based on that personal life slash that mental, you know. I feel like she's very fragile mentally. I know she was coming off the injury uh, before the Kianzad fight, but man, that Kianzad, I know Kianzad's doing her thing as well, but she got absolutely whooped on from start to finish. But I will say she had a, she's got a good right hand, and I do seem to think she has better uh, striking skills than Alpar. But for Alpar, man, man, Alpar, I feel like she's got a big size advantage. Alpar's a thick, thick girl, man. Um, and, you know, I feel, you know, she's been off for a year and I feel like there's a chance where Alpar's gotten a lot better, you know, with all the, you know, she's had a whole year to get ready for uh, her UFC debut. So there's a chance. And look, and I want to say something about Alpar, her last two fights, uh, you know, she fought for the LFA title against some chick who I believe will be in the UFC one day. I, I forget the girl's name, but she's from Panama. Um, and the chick, I mean, like was super tall, like vicious striker a bunch of KOs and man Alpar dealt with it. it was a boring fight but Alpar dealt with it I mean it was a very very tough task and you know when I look at some of Alpar's previous fights she's come a long way because you know I know she lost to Karina Dam but you know Rose Clark also went to split but Karina Dam's got some wins like Karina Dam at one point was something you know uh and I feel like uh She's come a long way these last two fights. Uh, that for the LFA title, man. She was, and she's an Oklahoma wrestler. You know, uh, uh, two-time national, uh, two-time high school All-American in uh, high school. So you know, I feel like, man, she's very live in this fight. I'm actually taking for the win, man. I feel like Rose Clark's a girl that can be very easily deterred. Uh, you know, I feel like when things don't go her way, she kind of folds. And let's just be honest here: her two wins are against. You know, a pipsqueak named Paige Van Zandt and, and Beck Rawlings, who can't, I mean, look, what was her record in the UFC? You know what I'm saying? Those are uh, bare knuckle, bare knuckle fighters. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and then these last two fights, she's gotten, she's 0 for 6 on rounds in those fights. So, and I know it was I who's number one or number two, whatever. And, uh, 
and Pekans that was doing her thing. But I, I think like this line should, should be a lot closer. Uh, I feel like Alpar's a lot stronger, a lot bigger, better wrestling. Uh, she's got like a real pressure wrestling game. So she was able to get the finish on Contender Series. So I'm, I'm going to take her for the win. I think she's going to look a lot better. Uh, Shaq, I know you're short on time, bro. Do you got time to do these last four or do you just want to give quick picks for it? Uh, I'll do quick picks. I got Okay, yeah, cool. Just, what are the fights? So Randy Ooh, Costa. I'm going to go with Costa. Andre Rivera. versus Erin Rivera. Derek Minner versus Laramie. CJ Laramie. Tyson Mann versus Jerome Ooh, Rivera. Man, I, I was thinking Tyson was going to knock him out. But, man, to be honest, Rivera is actually not bad. Uh, he's got a lot of activity. That's what probably won him that fight. I'll, I'll, I, I know I shat on him that night. He uh, won that decision, but he was a lot more busier. Uh, I'll go with Nam, though. Real quick, before I let you out of here, tell me about this Erwin Rivera over Andre Ull pick. Um, I like Ull. I wouldn't be shocked if Ull won. Um, he's the rightful favorite. I just don't think he should be a favorite by that margin, considering the fact that I think that he gets hurt to the body in a lot of his fights. He got hurt to the body against Martinez. I still don't know how he won that fight. I thought he lost every round. Um, and I feel like he kind of runs into a wall and he kind of just, uh, gasses out in a lot of these fights. I feel like he gets hurt, you know, when he hurt, Hen and Burrell, a lot of people don't remember that he got hurt to the body right before that. I feel like he might be cutting a lot of weight or something like that. And I feel like he kind of runs out of gas. I know his losses are to very good guys, but Rivera, I know his record is kind of really ugly, but man, I feel like he's turned the corner a lot. I wanted to bet him his debut, a very close fight. He's a guy that kind of struggles with the wrestling, but now he's not going to have to be struck. Uh, neither guy's going to have to be worry about grappling in this fight. I just think uh, Rivera's better in the late rounds, but it wouldn't shock me if Ull just had more firepower and hit him with the straight left. I just think Ull, man, I'm not, I've never been too impressed with him. I feel like he's very overrated. Uh, feel like his footwork is shaky. His chin shaky. He gets hurt in a lot of his fights. Um, but so we'll see, but I feel like Rivera's more durable, but you know, uh, so yeah. Shaq, you're the man. Everybody follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Shaq, uh, we'll speak soon, bro. All right, man. See ya. All right, guys. Now, now, now you guys are stuck with me, so I'm going to break down the remainder of the fight. So next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Randy Costa. He's 5-1, and one, and Journey Newsom is 9-2. and two. Currently, they got Journey Newsom minus 135. The comeback on Randy Costa is plus 115. So... Man, this is interesting because I was actually at Randy Costa's UFC debut in Atlanta against Brandon Davis, and boy, did he put on a show. I mean, this kid is super exciting. The only issue I have is that he's kind of green. You know, he's only 5-1 and one as a pro, and I feel like we're going to be seeing these big leaps every single time he fights. It's just uh, I don't think he's actually ever won a fight that's gone past, like, the second or third minute, so it's kind of worrisome against, like, Newsom, who even though, like, Newsom, you know, he ain't a top 15 guy, he ain't a top 20 guy or anything like that, but he is pretty experienced. But I do like the fact that uh, Randy Costa, you know, he went to ATT. So, like I said, he's going to be making big improvements every single fight, and you're going to be seeing leaps. It's just, is it too much too soon? Because you got to take it easy. You got you to gotta take the right fights when you're only 5-1 and one as a pro. So, Journey Newsom, he hits very hard. Uh, he's been He's gone the full three-round distance in the UFC against Ricardo Ramos, who's a tough guy. And uh, I like that knockout I saw in that last fight. But, man, I feel like – so this is interesting because I feel like Randy Costa 
ends up projecting to be the better fighter. I think that he ends up being ranked higher. I think he's more talented. I'm just worried that he's kind of green right now in his career. So for that reason, I'm going to take Journey Newsom. I feel like he's kind of slightly farther along in terms of the progression. But again, when you see a kid with less than 10 pro fights, every single time they're going to be making these big leaps. So this could be a, this could be a good show for uh, Randy. I know he's going to come out here and at least put on an entertaining fight. I know that much, but I'm going to slightly lean with, uh, with Newsom here. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Andre Uli, 16-6, and six, and Erwin Rivera is 10-5. and five. Currently, they got Andre Uli, minus 220. The comeback on Erwin Rivera is plus 180. Now, I'll say this. I wouldn't lay the minus 220 on Andre Uli, you know, because he has had some shaky moments. But, man, I feel like he's got some advantages here. Like, I like this kid, Erwin Rivera. You know, he fights with a lot of heart. He's a tough kid. He's paid his dues on the regional scene, but I feel like Andre Ull has got the reach advantage. I feel like he's got the output advantage, the experience advantage. And I feel like as long as he doesn't get caught with something big that puts him down, maybe that body shot that uh, Shaq was alluding to, I think he can come out here and outpoint uh, outpoint this kid. So I'm going to slightly lean with Andre Ull to get it done, but at the current price, I wouldn't recommend laying it because, again, He's not the kind of guy you want to lay that kind of chalk on. He's more of a guy that, you know, will take a, as an underdog shot, you know, against Barrow or whatever the case may be. But here against Erwin Rivera, I still I think he wins the decision. He's the better fighter here, um, has a big reach advantage. My boy Jimmy the Drunk says he's got an eight-inch reach advantage. So, yeah, you, usually those guys end up winning. I think he wins the decision here. Now, next up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between Derek Minner he's 24 and 11 and TJ Laramie is 12 and 3 currently they got TJ Laramie minus 300 the comeback on Derek Minner's plus 250 so all I gotta say is if you're laying that chalk on TJ Laramie be ready for a sweat in that first round because Derek Minner is hell on wheels in that first round he's got a nasty guillotine he's very opportunistic with his submissions it's just that if he does not get that first round submission Historically speaking, he kind of gets discouraged as fights uh, progress. And I was pretty impressed with TJ Laramie on Contender Series, man. I felt like, uh, you know, he showed good control, good composure. He's experienced. He's paid his dues on the regional scene. Comes from that TKO scene in Canada. Even I think he even fought uh, Air Jordan, you know, Charles Jordan, who's been doing this thing in the UFC. So I'm excited. This is a highly anticipated debut for TJ Laramie. Now, one of my Canadian listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't TJ Laramie like have a brother that also fights or, or am I mistaken? Am I confusing him with someone else? Uh, someone let me know, but I think TJ Laramie gets it done. It's just about composure in the first round. Do not let this guy dangle off your neck because, I mean, he almost got – like that guillotine he had on uh, on uh, James Krause's kid. What's the kid's name? Grant Dawson. Like, dude, Grant, credit to Grant Dawson for escaping because that shit was locked in. I'll tell you, a lesser opponent would have definitely tapped there. But, you know, Grant Dawson handled that accordingly and got out and then dominated the fight. So TJ Laramie's got to be on his P's and Q's, but he's actually never been submitted before. So that's a good thing. So weather this early storm and you win the fight. So I'm going to go with TJ Laramie to get it done in his UFC debut. Now, last but not least, in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Tyson Nam. He's 19 and 11, and Jerome Rivera is 10 and 2. Currently, they got uh, Tyson Nam minus 170. The comeback on Jerome Rivera is plus 150. So, this is another interesting fight for a lot of reasons because, kind of like I was talking about with some of these other guys, uh, Nam's a guy you like to take at dog odds. He's not a guy you really want to lay chalk on, but I do think that. You know, he's better than Jerome Rivera. It's just that sometimes when Tyson Nam doesn't get the knockout, 
he can be outpointed. And that's kind of like the gift and the curse of, of Tyson Nam style. You know, he's one of the heaviest hitters in flyweight history. I mean, you guys remember back in the day, the knockout over Eduardo Dantas. You guys remember back in the day, the knockout over Ali Bagotina. And most recently, when he uh, destroyed that kid, Zaruk Adeshev, who made his UFC debut, launched him in 20 seconds. So Tyson Nam hits you on the chin. There's a good chance you're going uh, night-night. They're going to have to, you know, bring out the smelling salts and put the flashlight in your eyes. You know, you're going to ask what happened. Jerome Rivera, I'll say this. So what he has going for him, he's huge for flyweight. You don't often see five foot ten flyweight. So he's got that going for him. He's experienced, you know, spot some good guys on the regional scene, spot UFC guys like Brandon Roy Vall. Now, granted, it only lasted a minute, but still, he's been in there with Roy Vall, been in there with his kid uh, Sanchez, who used to fight in the UFC back in the day. Um, but I gotta say this, guys, I don't feel like Ern. Excuse me, I don't feel like uh, Jerome Rivera. I almost called him Erwin Rivera. I don't feel like Jerome Rivera won his contender series fight. And I was actually. Uh, Hold on a sec. I was actually pretty disgusted that uh, they scored that 30-27 for Jerome Rivera. Like, I felt like this kid, Luis uh, Lazy Boy Rodriguez, clearly won the fight. I felt like he broke him. I felt like he beat him in every area of the game. I mean, could it have been a close fight? Yeah, maybe. But to score 30-27 for Jerome Rivera, that was pretty disgusting. You know what I mean? And to take it a step further, now he's signed to the UFC. So it's one of those things where if he doesn't get caught, it could get sketchy. You know, maybe he can win on volume. But I think he does get caught. So I'm going to go with Tyson Nam to win this fight via knockout and uh, get on a two-fight win streak in the UFC. So before I talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, go ahead and, you know, answer some fan questions. Uh, Appreciate y'all's time. Let's see what y'all got to say for me. Uh, so Moyes says Chandler is in the UFC. Yeah, we've known this for a while. I mean, it's been a, it just now only got announced. Um, but yeah, you know, long time coming. I'm glad to see it. And now, now let's see what's up. Now let's see how he stacks against the top 15. Callum says thoughts on Chandler being a backup to Gaethje Khabib. Um, I, I don't think he'll end up fighting uh, Khabib or Gaethje because I don't foresee Khabib or Gaethje pulling out of that fight. So it's cool that he got the opportunity. Um, and you know, he's paid his dues, uh, in Bellator, you know, multiple time champ, but, uh, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't foresee Gaethje or Khabib pulling out, man. Uh, it would take a serious injury. Even if they got an injury, it would take like a serious injury for them to pull out of a title fight like that. So I don't see it happening. I think you'll probably fight like Ferguson or someone else in the top 15 instead. All right. What else y'all got for me before we get out of here? Uh, let's see. Line Movement says, live from the parking lot. Love the dedication, boys. Thank you very much, Line Movement. Make sure you all go to linemovement.com. I've actually been producing some awesome content with Line Movement. You can follow them on Twitter at line underscore movement. Um, got a betting show with my boy Dan Tom. It's different than the show I have here with Shaq. Um, you know, uh, just check it out and you'll see what I'm talking about. And also, I've actually been doing some written work for them too. So, been expanding my horizons. You can check that out at linemovement.com or line underscore movement uh, on Twitter. What else y'all got for me? My boy, my boy Pringle says, appreciate you doing this. Much love from Bangalore. Man, really appreciate the love from Bangalore. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, that means a lot. We love all our fans from all across the world. So it means a lot that uh, you're taking the time to, you know, come out here and support me, support Shaq, support Half the Battle. And to support it a step further, make sure you all give this video a like. Give me a subscribe and, you know, retweet this. Let, let, let's blow this shit up, man. You know what I mean? The, this is for you guys. So truly appreciate it. All right. Last call for questions. Anything else you want to know? I'm going to go ahead and do the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So if y'all got anything else, leave it in the comment box and I'll get to it. But 
now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So I got to ask myself, what is the fight to watch for USC Vegas 11? And I, you guys already know what the fight to watch is. It's Donald uh, Cerrone versus Nico Price. I mean, tell me the last time you saw a boring cowboy fight. Tell me the last time you saw a boring Nico Price fight. You can't. I know you can't because it's never happened before. These are two of the most exciting guys in the history of the sport. You got the guy with the most wins in UFC history, the most finishes, the most fights, and Donald Cerrone, the future Hall of Famer, taking on one of the most dangerous and opportunistic guys in Nico Price who can finish a fight at any moment, no matter how down he is on the scorecard. So for that reason, that is my fight to watch. Now the question is, who is my fighter to watch? My fighter to watch is Myra Bueno Silva. Look, it's not often you see women with five knockout losses like uh, Barella, and it's not often you see women with one-punch knockout power like Myra Bueno Silva. I want to see Myra Bueno Silva not just come out here and win a decision. I want to see her come out here and get a devastating finish. I want to see her come out here and get a 50K bonus. So for that reason, Myra Bueno Silva is my fighter to watch. All right, guys. So before I, uh, before I wrap this up, a couple questions. Uh, Gregorio says, what do you think about Nico price money? Like I said, man, I love Nico price. I think he's fucking awesome. It's just that, uh, Nico price is a guy I'd rather back at dog eyes. Now, granted, this is a fight where you can make the dog or pass situation. And you can also make the favorite or pass situation. If you want to make the favorite or pass situation, you talk about how, you know, you talk about Cerrone being washed up. You talk about Nico price catching him with something. If you want to make the dog or pass situation, you talk about Donald Cerrone being better everywhere, except maybe the durability. So that, that, that's pretty much what I think. I just don't like laying that slight chalk on uh, Nico price. Who's mostly known for comebacks. I like laying uh, underdog money on him, but I'm not telling you what to do. You're your own man. So I wish you the best. Um, let's see what else we got. Beach boss says Donald needs to hang it up three fights ago. Um, I mean, I felt like he performed better against Pettis than he did, uh, against, you know, Gaethje and Ferguson and, and all those other guys. So this Saturday night is going to let us know if he should really hang it up. So I'm going to, we'll, we'll, we'll see exactly what the deal is there. All right. Last but not least, Nico will come for the finish, dog or not. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you guys know that. That's just facts. Obviously, he's going to come for the finish. It's just that oftentimes they're comeback finishes. And when I'm laying chalk, I want my guy to win the fight start to finish. I don't want to have to rely on a comeback. But, again, if you think it's just going to be a cakewalk, go ahead and lay that chalk, man. You know what I mean? If you think it's just going to be some walk in the park, who am I to tell you differently? You know, at the end of the day, look, you guys listen to the show. You want advice and this and that, and that's cool. And, but I don't have an hundred percent hit rate. No one does. So you should, at the end of the day, yeah, half the battle, it's entertaining. It's informative, get all the facts from us, but make your own decisions. You know what I mean? So that, that's pretty much what I think about that. Now, uh, anything else y'all got for me, uh, before, uh, before I get out of here, Matt, I can't answer that question right now. Uh, any, anything else y'all got? Uh, all right. Well, I truly appreciate everybody checking us out. Thank you guys very, very much. Make sure you follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can get my plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. I'm going to try to be back on Saturday night for After the Battle. Uh, I know I got to be a little bit more consistent on that. So uh, I'm going to do that for sure. And also, like I said, I'm producing some other kind of content for linemovement.com, some written work some you know video pieces just different stuff than we do here on half the battle so you make sure y'all check them out thank you guys again very very much for the support subscribe to half the battle right now give this video a like i truly appreciate it 
You guys know the deal. Until the next time, let's cash these